Welcome to Chat with Nat, stories of faith, hope, and love. I'm hoping the books I've read and the people I've met inspire you as much as they have me. Welcome back. I'm excited. I'm starting a new series today called The Life Balance Will. So I first learned about the Life Balance Will while taking my life coaching classes back in 2019, and it's an assessment tool that helps see how balanced you are in your life. In the textbook, it says that no one really knows where it originated from, but after many years of working with this will, I came, you know, I found the chapter in the Bible that I believe that I believe that it originated from. And it's the Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, a wife of noble character. And when I was studying this chapter, I couldn't help but notice that each of the eight categories from the life balance will are included in the scripture. So I'd say the life balance will originated from God himself. So the eight different categories are romance and love. That's one. Home in the in your environment. That's two. The third is career. The fourth is community. The fifth is finances. Uh, the sixth is your self-care or appearance. Um, seven is fun and play. And eight is personal or spiritual development. And so over the next eight episodes, I'll do a show on each of the categories and probably feature someone that I admire or who I think has is a good role model for that particular category. And so when I when I rated these categories five years ago when I did the exercise, I was surprised at how low some of my score were scores were. You so what you do is you rate each of the categories from one to ten and ten is being very satisfied and one is not so much. And so I was shocked because I thought I was in a pretty good place in my life and and was feeling good about, you know, everything, but I was shocked that some of them were pretty low. And so the exercises that we did from there was we, we took the lowest ones and then we came up with a plan on, you know, how to improve that. Like just for instance, if it was health, um, like I think that was probably one of my lowest ones. I just probably weighed more than I wanted to, wasn't eating healthy. And so what we did is we just came up with a little plan, um, small steps to, you know, make improvements in that area. And so I do think it's a good exercise um, just to assess you know, maybe things that you you could work towards just small goals. And so I, I do that several times a year now. And I think it's just, it's good practice um, just to see, you know, is there areas that could be improved? And it gets easier the more that you look at them too, you know. So So the thing is like, if one of them is really bad, say it's, say it's your health or your finances, if that score is really low, what it tends to do is it tends to bring your other categories down too because you're less satisfied across the board in all areas of your life if you have one thing that's really weighing on you and really stressing you. And so and so the goal is just to get them, you know, a little eat more even. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, obviously we can't do that by ourselves. We need We need prayer and we need community and help. And so, but anyway... Um, the category that I'm going to focus on today is romance because this episode is airing the week of Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. And so I thought it would be a good one to start with. So, um, and if you don't have a significant other, that's okay. I would encourage you, um, as we 
as we talk about this, to think about like the most intimate relationship you have in your life. And it could be a parent or a child or a friend. Um, but for me, um, it's going to be my husband, Ben. That's who I think of when I think of romance. Webster's Dictionary defines love as an intense feeling of deep affection. And I pause when I see the word feeling. And I know most of you who are married, you don't always feel deep affection all the time for your spouse. That's just the real world. We're human and we don't live in romance novels or rom-coms or Hallmark movies. It's just, you know, a, it's not a good definition of love in real life, in my opinion. But that's what the dictionary says. <laughs> I have, uh, my friend Faye jokes, if you want romance, hang out with your girlfriends. Um, it's a, like she says, like when we have a friend over, we're going out with a friend, we, we know we clean ourselves up. We might put on something new, uh, clean the house and we pull out our good dishes and maybe even run the sweeper or put the papers away that have been laying on the counter for a long time. Uh, we just put in a little extra because, you know, we're excited to see them and we care about them. And, and like, you know, if we have a gift that we're going to get them, we usually, you know, make sure it's the perfect thing and we spend a lot of time on it. But um, sometimes we don't do that for people that we're living with. We're like, eh, you know, and, and guys just, to be honest, they don't get us women all the time. Uh, last year I finished reading the book. Finally, I wanted to read this book for years, but I read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and that was a life changer for me. If you haven't read it yet, um, it's it's a really good, and it's funny book, but, but it's true, and it helps explain why living with someone of the opposite opposite sex is really hard and maybe I'll do an episode on that someday because there's so much good stuff in that book that men and women think just so differently so it drives us women crazy how you know attentive and romantic guys are when we first start dating and then once we're together for a while that kind of drops off or stops and, and it drives us crazy and one of the biggest things I've learned over all the books I've read is just you know Typically, this isn't the true in all cases. There are exceptions to this rule, but most guys, they they put their focus and energy in one thing, um, and they're they're all in it. And so when they're dating you, like you're the thing that they're all into. So, and you know later on, you know it's maybe work or you know who who knows they're 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 focused on something. They're very focused on things, and so once they know they have us, they don't focus on us so much. And so that's where we're all a little bit different. But, and I just think back to when Ben and I were first dating, we would spend hours on the phone. We didn't have cell phones back then. We actually had the corded phones and we would talk on the phone for like two or three hours every night. I just can't even imagine what on earth we talked about for so much. Um, and you know, he would bring me flowers or lunch at work and you know, we'd go on dates several times a week we like couldn't we were always so excited about going on a date but you know after you're married you know you have bills to pay and and work and so or taking care of the house and you know then you have kids and your energy goes there and you know I actually you know I had cancer about 10 years ago and so and it, all, all the energy went there and then then went to school and all the energy went there and so just things come up in life that that it's hard to find time to do everything. It's just not enough hours in the day. <laughs> so you're just like putting out fires. And and before you know it, like you don't even put any effort into the romance and, you're, and you feel like you're just living separately in the same house. So 
you know, we, we had a lot going on after the cancer and, you know, been going back to school. And, and to be honest, like we just got to the point where there was no time. There was hardly any time for connection. And one of us was tired or stressed. And it's just, you know, we got to the point where we felt like neither one of us can make the other happy. And, and I really honestly wanted nothing more than to make him happy. And I felt like that was all on me. I mean, I just, that's where I was thinking that if he wasn't happy, then it was my fault. And I just, at that, you know, a few years back, everything I did, I seemed to make him more miserable. And so um, I had this quote in my high school yearbook. Um, It's one of my favorite quotes that if you love somebody, set them free. If they come back, it was meant to be. If they don't, they were never really yours to begin with. And so a few years ago, um, Ben and I were, found ourselves living in separate houses. Um, and I, I just, you know, in order to protect myself from being hurt or, or hurting him any further, I just decided, okay, it's done. But he didn't think it was done and he decided to fight for us. And I was, uh, you know, I was terrified. I was afraid, you know, we were going to go back to being miserable and making each other feel bad all the time. And I didn't want that for me and certainly not for him. And so I kept myself at a distance. But, you know, Ben, he he just really started showing up. He he put his focus in, you know, to keeping our marriage together. and, And he started to romance me again. And my heart's slowly started to soften towards him once again. And I remembered why I fell in love with him to begin with. And so while we were in separate houses, we went on a family vacation to Cancun and I think it was a reset that we needed. And one of the, one of the things that stands out to me most about that trip is I for, I packed all the stuff and forgot my makeup bag and my hair straightener. And if you know the Peters girl's hair, it's so bad. And <laughs> To go anywhere without a straightener is like, I don't know, it's bad, especially in in a, in a humid place, a humid place. But um, I didn't have it, and I just remember Ben being so, you know, why are you worried about that? Like, you look good just how you are. You don't have to worry about that. And so I was really freeing to not have to get ready while we were on vacation. And so I just tended to not look in the mirror. It was just easier that way. But um, it was really good feeling to know someone loves you just the way you are, that you don't have to put any extra effort into it. And so when we came back from that vacation, we renewed our wedding vows. And that was the weekend of our 25th wedding anniversary. So what we... um, What we did is we we wanted a, a brand new start. And so we moved into a new house and 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 what happened is there was lots of projects that needed done and Ben's work schedule was tough. And if I'm honest, I started to miss the romance again, but I knew how hard he'd been working and I didn't want to ask for it. And so instead I was hurt and um, truly fearful to things are going to go back to the way they were again. And so I started to hold them at a distance, you know, once again. Um, and then someone at our church had gifted us a weekend at the marriage conference, a weekend to remember. And I remember thinking on the way down, this is probably what Ben needs. <laughs> you know, you're always like, this is what the other person needs to hear, not me. And But when we got there, the first thing the speaker said is, hey, this is, you are here about you. 
this is not about your spouse and what he or she needs to hear. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did they <laughs> hear what I was thinking on the way down? But the speaker's like, this is about you. So like no poking the other person or making faces at them when you hear something that, you know, maybe they're doing. It's not about what what's going on with them. It's about you. And it's about what God needs you to hear. And I, I was shocked because I was thinking, I'm in a good place. And um, this is what Ben needs to hear. But I remember crying several times that weekend as I discovered that like all of my fear and my anger um, towards Ben was really, I was angry at myself for not being able to say to Ben what I needed in a loving way instead of expecting him to know what I needed and then yelling at him when he didn't do it. And so that weekend before we left, they, they gave us a, you know, a contract to sign, but it wasn't titled a contract. It was titled covenant and a covenant is much different than a contract. You know, a contract can be broken, but a covenant uh, with, especially with God cannot be broken. And so we both signed it and we framed it in our kitchen. And so it's there as a daily reminder. And one of the things it says on that is that we're going to die to ourselves each day. And I think that's huge is, it's not about what I need today. It's like, what can I do for the other person today? And that's a, that to me is, you know, it's, it was a new way of me thinking where, you know, most of my life I was like, okay, what do I need? Let me try to figure out what I need. And, and now after this conference, we're, we, we found this new way to love another person is to love them based on what they need. And so over the next two years, I did a lot of self-work. You know, I did a lot of reading books and uh, studying scripture and starting starting to learn that when I lowered my expectations and, and actually tell Ben what I need, especially in a loving way and not a yelling way, and the truth is that when I do it that way, he always exceeds my expectations, um, but you know we don't we don't always get it right, and it's always going to be a work in progress and something that that every person in a relationship is going to have to work on. Um, but but definitely something to work towards. And so about a year ago, we had another big fight, and you know it was one of those we're done again. And. And I, I remember leaving the house to take a walk and, and coming back and Ben was standing in the kitchen, you know, with his arms crossed and he was standing in front of the, the covenant that we had signed in our kitchen. I'll just never, like, never forget that, um, the covenant behind him, you know, in the middle of our fight. And I, and I said, do you want to be done? And he, and he said, yeah, he wanted to be done. But he didn't move. He just stood there and he said he knew it wasn't the right thing to do. And so he stayed when he didn't feel like it. And so that was it. That was that was an aha moment that I needed that he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere no matter how bad it got. And so we needed to figure out how to make it work together. There was another book that I had um, Ben and I actually worked together through a few years ago, it was by John Godham. Uh, he's a psychologist, and he wrote this book called Eight Dates, and there are eight dates that you go on to. And actually, I believe, I didn't even think about this still right now, but I'm guessing that they, they probably correlate with the eight groups on this life balance will and, and in the Wife of Noble Character scripture. I'm, I'm going to probably look at that after I get done with this episode because I'm curious now. But anyway, um, one of the things he says in that book that, 
couples that um, he, of all the, you know, probably hundreds and hundreds of people that he counseled, the, um, there's only a few of them that, that didn't make it, but they were always ones that had one thing in common. There was one thing in common that he said that all of the couples that were going through therapy, the ones that didn't make it had one thing in common. And that was, they were given, they were given an out to themselves. Like, hey, we're going to work on this, but if this doesn't work, then we're out. And he said that in all of those cases, those ones never made it. it the ones who made it were the people sitting in the chair saying, no matter what, we're going to make this work. And, and those are the ones that, that made it. And I think about Ben standing there that day, not not leaving. That was him not giving himself an out. And so when I saw him do that, I wanted to do that as well. And it's like, okay, if you have someone who's willing to stay there with you, no matter what, then, uh, you know, I'm going to stick it out too. And so the only thing we have to do is figure it out and we can stay here miserable or we could work together towards something that's going to be better for the both of us. So, so if you're stuck in a relationship, that's not working, you know, pray about it and ask for courage to look at that person in the eye and say, I don't feel like staying here, but I'm going to choose to. And so let's work and figure it out. And so I remember that day we both went into the living room and he was on one side of the couch and me on the other and neither of us, you know, wanting to be there and and angry with each other. And we sat for what seemed like hours and, and we finally started saying what we actually felt. And Bottom bottom line is, and I think he would agree with this, that he said that, or I said, he, I felt like he wasn't paying attention to me when I was there. And when we talked, he was either on his phone or watching TV and just didn't feel present or, or, or you know, he felt, you know, not paying, like he wasn't paying attention to me. And, and he said that I was never there. And then when I was, that I was always doing something else. And, and I mean, he was right. I I did always do something else when he was there because I felt like he wasn't paying attention to me. And so um, I just, I knew he was tired and working and I just didn't want to be in his way. So I always just made sure I was doing something so I wasn't bored. But um, I just remember after he said that, I, I was like, well, when? Like, you're the one who works. And he's like, I'm always here. And he was like, yeah, but you're tired. And so what we did is we came up with a time that we thought would work for him and for me and, and and we just put it on our phone and said okay I'm going to hang out with you I'm going to make you a priority and and so what happened is we put that on the calendar every day and we started showing up and he started putting his phone down and turning the tv off and listening to me and and I'm not gonna lie it was awkward at first it actually probably a little torturous I think he would agree it's like we didn't have much to say and we were still angry and but we kept showing up every day and every day and every day. And, and what happened is like, I guess, you know, we started having things like during your day that you see that you want to tell each other. And so, and so it works in, and it was in another book that, um, I th actually, I think it was in John Gautam's eight dates book that he said that he found that the couples who had daily touch points with each other were most satisfied in the relationship. And I, I remember him giving an example of this one couple who, I mean, one of them was working super long hours and the other one was in grad school or something. And, you know, they didn't get home until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And 
but they made sure every night before they went to bed that they talked real briefly about their day. And so, again, I don't know, like your touch point doesn't necessarily have to be scheduled on the calendar, um, but but I do think it's important to make sure you're connecting with your significant other at least once a day. And so, um, well, also when we, we, t- we attended the weekend to remember, one of the things they discussed was the importance of daily touch points again, and also the importance of scheduling date nights. I, I think they recommended weekly, but Ben and I obviously can't do that because of his schedule, but um, the, the importance of going on dates with each other and not bringing other people on your dates. It's just the two of you. It's just a, a time to connect and not to talk about hard things, but just to have fun and and play and do something different that maybe you haven't done. And they don't have to cost a lot of money. You can do free things. Like I know Ben and I have went and fed the birds at Blue Spruce or we like to ride bikes. Um, so, I mean, you can do things that are free. And um, it, the point is just to do something together and and to have fun and try to lighten lighten it up. Everything is so stressful. It doesn't need to be so stressful. I look really I really look forward to one on one time with Ben now. Even if we don't have anything to say, it's just nice knowing that the other person's available if you need them. And so I just I I want everyone to think about that. You know, Valentine's Day is tomorrow as well as Ash Wednesday. And Valentine's Day is a reminder of love and Ash Wednesday is is to be a reminder of our mortality and our need for the reconciliation with God. And and what is God? God is love. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6 defines love as this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. My Ben was the perfect example of this kind of love. He chose to fight for us. He put aside how he felt and chose to stay while I figured out what I needed to heal myself. Do you have someone in your life that needs to heal? If so, it's my prayer that you put aside all of your anger, your disappointment, fear, and show them patience and kindness, and maybe not even say a word. Just be there for them and pray they'll open up their hearts so that you can come up with a plan and heal together. Happy Valentine's Day. I'll talk to you soon. Matt.